Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show that follows the journeys of two independent iOS developers. I'm Dave Knott, an iOS developer from Devon, England. And I'm Dave Wood, an iOS developer from Leicester, England. Join us as we discuss the development, code and technology of our independent journeys. So, this week we thought we'd talk about the the struggle of whether you are a designer or a developer, or both, or one or the other. So, Dave, are you a designer or a developer? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm very much a developer rather than a designer. Um, design, uh, for me, often sort of feels like a bit of an afterthought or something that I'm kind of having to force myself to do. Um, if I'm honest, I, 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 I kind of have... a um, bit of a loose process in terms of how I start to design my apps and then one way or the other everything sort of coalesces towards the end um but I'm very much more driven by just getting the code working solving some technical problems um and kind of you know the design is then this sort of thing that's that's floating out there in a lot of ways um I could talk to you about how I sort of do the design process for my apps and, and kind of how that goes. I was going to say, yeah, how, how, do yeah. You, how do you start? Yeah, so um, I start with a piece of paper. I've, I've tried loads of different sort of methods of, you know, apps on the iPad and things. I've, I've tried a few of the sort of um, vector sketching type apps and things like that to sort of lay out designs. Um Every app, every program I've used for laying out my designs hasn't worked as well as just sketching on paper. Um, So although I sort of said, you know, I I tend to be driven by the development, I do sit down and think about how the UI is going to sort of go from screen to screen, um, lay that out on paper first. Um, And what tends to happen is I'll then, when I'm happy with the sketches on paper, I'll, I'll make some mock screens um, just to sort of get a general view of, of the, the main sort of view controllers and everything that I think the app is going to have. Um, but then after that, it's sort of straight into Xcode um, and sort of laying things out and getting a general prototype going that kind of basically matches those those sketches and, and screens. Um, and this is where I sort of feel like I then end up sort of bringing it in at the end um, because then I'll drop down something like Sketch um, and start sort of looking for creating the assets to, to use the real assets because um, by that point it's usually just placeholders and labels and bits of text. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, sketch to the rescue. I'll, I'll start designing something in that that's it's usually a sort of vector um, design. I'll take the flat design approach because that is a low bar of entry really for me with my own skills. Um yeah. And then sort of in the middle of that, everything then sort of seems to come together at the end. You know, I've got my general flow of the app. I've got all of the main objects down that I need each screen to have. Um, the logic is up and running. The the, the, the gummings underneath that, that is the brain of the app is doing everything it needs to do. Um, and yeah, it probably is that last bit where I'm sort of going, do I really want it that color? Do I really want it that shape, that design? And, and I kind of tend to grind my gears a bit on that. You go around in circles. Yeah. It's certainly not design first. Um, it's kind of where I end up feeling at that point. Um, h- how about yourself, Dave? I start very much like you with a... I just start with a, a notebook. Um, I, I went and bought one of those uh, 
kind of artist sketchbooks and a pack of pencils and that's kind of, that's where i start out um, yeah I, f- I find i can get my ideas out of my head quicker that way and and it's, yeah. it's never pretty it's uh it, it looks pretty awful i, I found my old, an old notebook the other day and i i could barely make sense of it so <laughs> um, <laughs> i have to kind of strike strike while the iron's hot on that one um and from there I generally go into a vector drawing package pretty quickly. Um, right. You say you use Sketch? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Um, I'm actually trialing that at the moment. I'm running the, it's a 30-day trial that you get with it. Yeah. So far, so good. I really like it. Um, but um, generally, I've been using Affinity Designer. Okay. Um, I did used to kind of hang out in Photoshop and Illustrator, kind of the Adobe-based products. Um, I, I don't see that I need them anymore. They don't, they don't seem very relevant to me. I don't know about yourself. Um, especially with the subscription model that they've gone for. That's a big cost that I really don't need. Yeah. I I prefer just sort of paying for one app up front and, and then kind of use that, um, for as long as possible, really. Um, I mean, I'm not against upgrade prices and, and, you know, upgrading every so often. Um, but I'd rather do it on my terms than necessarily eking out a subscription sort of forevermore. Yeah, I, I I think, what was it, Affinity Designer cost me, I think I got it for about £39.99. Yeah. Um, and the way I justified that to myself, it was either buy that one product, which I'd do 80% of my work in, in terms of design, or pay that a month, almost, for Adobe and yeah, yeah it, was, it was a quite a clear choice for me. Um, I, I struggle. It's kind of a bit of a conflict in my head as to whether I'm a designer or a developer. I'm definitely a developer first. Um, but with my previous job as a web developer, I was exposed quite a lot to design. It wasn't. I wasn't always necessarily doing the design, but I was exposed to it and I was seeing it a lot, and I could kind of. I would know when I saw something that looked good and I liked it. Um, so I've been taking it a lot more seriously since I've gone indie, purely because there's no one else to do it for me. Yeah, it's it's just me. Uh, whereas before, I, uh, when I was in my job, I I would be in a, with a team of people, one of which would be the designer. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm very uncomfortable calling myself a designer, even even very loosely. Um, I, I tend to go on my my feeling or my gut feeling um like i say i kind of i would i'll see when i'm making things for myself i'll kind of feel that it's right as opposed to knowing why it's right yeah um kind of (laughs) kind of like someone who might pick up a guitar and play a chord but not know whether they're playing a d or a g (laughs) so (laughs) yeah you can play the chord right most of the time but you're not entirely sure what, what it is you're actually doing. Um, <laughs> that's kind of where I am, I suppose. But I think iOS 7 helped quite a lot in terms of the flat design push that that, that gave. Yeah. Um, like you made reference to earlier, that's that's made it way easier, way, way easier for, for me. I'm not sure I could get away with as, as much as I do now if it weren't for that. Yeah. Um. I think from an indie perspective, um, that sort of kind of really flat approach, it, it has made 
sort of certain bits of design a lot more accessible for people like ourselves who are developers first and sort of designers next. Um, and like you say, you know, I, I wouldn't really feel comfortable calling myself a designer at all um, for all the reasons that you've said. Um, I'm starting to get a feel. You know, the more I do, the more more apps I make and, and everything else. Um, I've taken to... Um, trying to sort of train myself a little better as well. Um, like books like um, the non-designers design book. Um, I don't know if you've come across that one. No, no, I haven't. I've actually been recommended some books as well um, for design that I'll, uh, I'll chuck them in the show notes at the end. Yeah. Um, one of them that looks quite interesting. I don't know if you've heard of this one's called uh, know your onions, which uh, the tagline is graphic design how to think like a creative, act like a businessman, and design like a god. <laughs> so I think I might get that one. Uh, I'll be interested to know how you get on. Because, um, yeah, although I'm driven by the developments, um, I do appreciate knowing more about design and, and kind of getting more into that side of things. Um, I see it as something that is part of the job. You know, there's no way that you can make an app and, and not consider um, how it's going to feel, how it's going to look, and all of that side of things. If you do, you're going to end up with something that, that just, it, it's not an app, it's kind of just everything cobbled together. Yeah. Um, so it's something that I'm trying to get better at. It's something that I, I'm, I'm sort of trying to learn more about. Um, but like you say, it's very much, I'm in the stage where I'm picking up the guitar, I know maybe a couple of chords. Um, and even then, yeah, I couldn't necessarily tell you exactly which ones they are each time. <laughs> no, I think it's definitely a goal for me this year is to be more proactive. Um, I feel t- I feel like I'm I'm at a point where I can almost uh, I can almost get by, but I feel like I'm winging it a little bit. Um, so I, so I'm going to invest in some some decent books, um, and there's a load of great resource online. Um, UX pin is one that I've been looking at. They do a host of um, free eBooks all about yeah, UX and design. So I'm going to be setting aside some time um, in the evenings just to, just to read those through. I think going back to what we were saying about making time, I think this is very relevant as well. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, it's very easy for me, especially when I first went indie if I wasn't coding, if I wasn't sat in front of Xcode coding, as far as I was concerned, I wasn't working. Yeah. If if I was reading like a, an ebook or something on design, I, I, that, I would consider that a waste of time. Um, thankfully, I've got a bit more of a healthy attitude to that now, <laughs> um, seeing the broader picture. But I, yeah, I used to give myself a really hard time. Um, even even when I was working in um, graphic suites, um, I, I would see that as an interruption to my work time because I saw yeah. the work as being in Xcode. I think um, I started off very, very similar to be fair. Um, and I think maybe as you first sort of picking up app development, that that is actually how you need to behave um, because you're sort of laying down the planks, you're kind of building up that body of knowledge around Xcode and the development itself. And it's kind of a bit too much to necessarily consider design and then you've got, you know, do you consider, if you're indie, do you consider looking at marketing and, and business and all of that side of things as well? Um, so the first skill you need really is 
the development and kind of living and breathing Xcode um, for, for doing iOS apps. So perhaps it's a natural progression. I think so. Um, I, def- I definitely feel like now I consider when I'm in a graphics package designing, I, I consider that work now on, on the same playing field as, as Xcode. Yeah. I, I, I take it way more seriously now than I did. Whereas before I would be in Xcode and I'd be like, oh, I need an image or I need an icon. So I'd quickly rush into uh, my design software and quickly cobble together something and export it. Um, and then be like, oh, good, that's done. Now I, now I can get back to it. But it, that's that's not a recipe for for a well-designed app. I realise that now. Yeah. Um, I think I gave myself a hard time in loads of weird ways when I first started out. I was kind of obsessed that I was wasting my time. Right. So any, anything that wasn't um, either writing an Xcode or testing an app on my iPhone, that that was a waste to me. Um, yeah, that was, that was a strange place to be in. I'm not sure that- why why I felt that way, but it was very real, I can assure you. <laughs> Does that kind of link back to the um, sort of burnout and that side of stuff that we were talking about the other week? I think possibly, but I think the biggest thing it was that where I used to work, everything was done on an hourly rate. Yeah. So kind of timesheet based. So I think I was maybe a little bit kind of preoccupied thinking of thinking about things like that. Right. Um because obviously when, you, when you're working for someone else and you, the company operates at an hourly rate, if I'm not being productive for four hours a day, that's four hours that they can't really bill someone. Yeah. Um, so the way that obviously my wages get paid is by clients getting billed for my time. Um, and I think I kind of brought that paradigm with me to, to iOS development, which I think was totally the wrong thing to do. Um, but I, I, I was sure that was the way to do it. I, I needed to kind of regiment my day, break it into hours. So on hour one, I'll do this. On hour two, I'll do that. Right. Um, and oh, I, I used to beat myself up something silly about it. Um, just if if any task overran, I, I would give myself a hard time and then that would put me in a foul mood for the rest of the day or for the next <laughs> couple of hours at least, which would then impact on those two hours worth of work. And make them not as productive and efficient as they could be because I'm grumbling about what happened the hour before, and it yeah. it was horrible. And especially as uh, being an indie, you're often on your own, pretty much in isolation for the whole day. Yeah. Um, when you're alone with your own thoughts, being grumpy with yourself, it's a it's a lonely place sometimes. Yeah, I can really relate to that. Um, I mean. Because you don't have co-workers to bounce it off, you can't necessarily um, can't necessarily get an objective opinion either. Um, even just you know trying to talk to friends and family about those moments, they're not necessarily kind of capable of, of of having the surrounding knowledge to really be able to sort of help diffuse you um, and sort of think through those problems. Um, I think coming back to what we were talking about with design and that element of things um the trouble that i think you may have had at that point is that the design would be be something else that's got a learning curve on it yeah you're spot on yeah and because it's got because it's got that learning curve um when you're kind of mentally thinking right 
hourly, hourly, hourly. Look, got to see progress. Got to get on with all of this. Um, the learning curve kind of, that's the bit that makes you beat yourself up because you're not actually giving yourself the time to do the learning, to get up to that speed. Um, and, and the same is true in, you know, day job environments, your, your working environment where you were being, the company was billing hourly. Um, even within those environments, juniors will need to learn and, and everybody needs to learn different things within their roles over time. Um, and I think those environments can be quite toxic when it comes to actually making sure that learning happens and kind of respecting that that is something that the job may need to have at certain points in time. Um, I guess the only way they can get around that is to kind of program it in and start thinking about where the the learning needs to happen. Um, But as an indie, I think, I I know certainly for myself, I, I came to sort of... Um, realizing that the learning time is something I do need to do as a sort of matter of course in the end after sort of several go rounds of the sort of like it's it's a steep hill I'm not really getting it this is a waste of time and all of that and that for me that was very linked to my sort of burnout times as well Um, so when we were sort of talking the other week about taking time out to sort of reset and that that kind of thing um, what I ended up finding was that the reset times where I sort of backed all the way off from sort of code and being in X code, maybe gave myself a week out. Um, the, the reset times were where I would sort of start to fall into learning naturally, you know, picking up a book, that book might be about something to sort of around the edges of what I'm doing, like design. Um, and then kind of those moments would be where the, the, the learning would happen naturally. Um, I think these days perhaps I'm just trying to be a bit more respectful that sometimes I, I am going to need to take that time out, get up to speed on something, and it is just part of the process, you know? Mm. No, I mean, you, you've definitely hit on something there. I think my frustration was partly due to me trying to work on, like, like say, the hourly basis, wanting to see progress continually, but trying to do something that really I had very little skill in which caused me to get stuck in the mud with it. Um, I, I feel I'm in a better place now, um, a lot better place, which is is nice in a way, because that means I've, I've obviously made some progress, because I don't feel like that as often um, when it comes to design. I, I can get by and get, get, things, get things made quicker um, to a standard that I'm reasonably happy with. Not happy with everything all the time. Um, but I, I definitely feel way better about that now. I Going back to the, the whole iOS 7 f- sort of pushing the flat direction, um, I think had that not happened, I'm not sure I could maybe get by making apps that look the standard that I can make them with flat design. Yeah. Um, if I had to start making things look like real life... Um, kind of uh, skeuomorphic I believe it's it's called and pronounced probably yep. pronouncing it wrong thinking about it um, <laughs> um, but if I had to start making UIs that look like brush metal and glossy glass and buttons you know like real looking physical buttons I think I would really have to really have to up my skills big time in, in 
in things like Photoshop or Illustrator or whatever the tool may be. Yeah. Um, the fact that you, and you can almost do a lot of uh, things in code now, where whereas before you might need to jump into Photoshop to make a button. Um, now things are, are flat um, and are generally simpler abstract representations of what they are. You can get away with making things in code, which again can get you out of the, the graphic suites if that's not where your your strong suit is. Um, and it also gets around having to export everything at 1x, 2x and 3x, which is <laughs> sometimes <laughs> a pain, as I'm sure you've you found in the past. Yeah, um, although I kind of sidestep that now these days. Um, I tend to make universal images and pull little PDF exports out of Sketch into those. Um, I'm not sure if you can do it with SVG files, actually. That would be more efficient. Um, but, um, yeah. Um, I'm not sure I've done that before. What, what, so can you expand you, on that a little bit? Um, you create a universal image inside of your... Um, assets file um, so you create another image in inside that the image assets file in Xcode right. um, you go to its settings you set it to universal um, and then you can just drag and drop a PDF into there um, and if you export a, a PDF straight from Sketch it's effectively a vector file um, and then that universal image set um, it gets sort of rendered um, into whatever size class it needs to be. Did not know that. <laughs> the only thing I don't know, and this is something I probably should know better, um, is whether that has a performance hit or not. Obviously, if you've already done it yourself um, and you've given it 2x and 3x images, um, then those are the images that are going to be used at runtime straight away. Um, right. I don't. I don't know if a universal image has a level of extra overhead, um, or if essentially the images are kind of compiled at some point when when it's ran on your device. Um, I'm yeah. not sure sort of how things work behind the scenes, um, but it's been such a time saver for me, and hasn't seemed to have any sort of adverse effect when people have been testing my apps. Um, that yeah, I've just kind of gone for it. Really, huh. how did I not know that? <laughs> Every day is a school day, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to go searching and see if there's a, a, a proper article we can link to about that in the show notes, um, because I could do with understanding the process better as well. Mm. I always just used to export one x, two x, three x images purely because um, Affinity Designer had a really cool export option for it. So you just hit ex- export and it chucks out three images. Yep. So I, I was like, yeah, sure, that's fine. I'll take that and just threw it straight in but yeah i've never never come across what you were mentioning now that's interesting i may have felt slightly smug when 3x images came along Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell you one thing that in you do lose um at that point i think you lose the ability really to control what the um what the image looks like at the different size classes as well so if you've got something with a lot of different colors in i think you could run the risk that the representation at, at each different size isn't necessarily as you prefer it to be. Um, oh, is that like when you design a fav icon yep. for the web and then it gets crunched down to 16 by 16 pixels or something for some random Yeah, exactly browser. that. Yeah, um, okay. So, I mean, you know, exporting the individual images, you're going to have more control, but 
again, if you're talking flat design and it's coming straight out of uh, a vector editing software, then... You stand a decent chance, I think, of getting a good result, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. One other part of designing the sort of look and feel for my apps is um, that I'll think about the colours and the colour scheme that I'm going to use within the app. Um, Again, sometimes I have an idea of that at the start of when I'm designing the app, and sometimes it sort of comes in a bit later. Um, But is there any sort of process that you use, Dave, when you're you're kind of thinking about colour schemes and how it's all going to sort of come together? Because even with a flat design, you still have to make a good choice in terms of the colours and and, and what you're using in your app. Yeah, that's a good a good question. I use um, a website called Coolors. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Yeah, yeah, I do. I use it too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I pretty much have a have a vague idea of the of the colour I like to go in. Um, for different apps, I'll, I'll kind of choose a general direction. Uh, so with Armchair, my remote for Cody, I kind of knew I wanted to go red. Um, and that was only based off of um, kind of you get like red seats in movie theatres and stuff like that. So yeah. I thought red might be quite quite a cool direction to take it. Um, but I also wanted to have quite a dark UI at the same time. Okay. Because um, just of the way that the app would likely be used. Um, first of all, I just like dark UIs anyway. So I was like, I'm making a dark UI. But then also if <laughs> you're kind of using it to control your home theatre system perhaps in a darkened room uh, yeah i figured dark makes sense so i i ended up picking a a shade of red i wouldn't call it a shade of pink but it's a very light red um that seemed to work well with the the dark grays that i chose um but yeah basically i start with uh coolors is that is that how you pronounce it i think Um, so yeah and i'll kind of pick a core color and then and then keep going and going and going um yeah, because you can you can lock the color, can't you? And then you press you space, and the rest of the swatch sort of adjusts, is, adjusts um, and you can then kind of just keep going, like you say, until you end up with a load of complementary colors that you're happy with. And there's there's a ton of resource online um, in in regards to color palettes as well that you can get inspiration from. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's no real. Uh, no real science behind it again it's probably reflective of what i was saying earlier about kind of just using my gut feeling and sort of navigating it in that in that way i definitely use a very similar process really like so i use the same site um and i'll usually have a color in mind um for holovid I knew I wanted something sort of touching on a, a green kind of turquoise sort of colour, um, like the sort of stereotypical um, holograms um, in, in Star Wars and that end of things. Um, and, yeah, that was definitely a sort of case of um, going to Coolors, or I think it was that site that I used at that time, um, and then just sort of getting other complementary colours to sort of fit that main sort of greeny turquoise colour that I chose. Um, with with GoVJ, very similar to to your armchair remote app. Um, I wanted a dark UI. Um, when you're performing with video in a club or or that sort of setting, you don't want a UI that's sort of lighting the the performer up. 
Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and you know, it needs to be the, the the background needs to be dark, and then everything that is important to the user um, is then you know light on top of that. So you sort of end up with quite a high contrast black and white sort of UI. Um, but again, there is some color. I've got, I've got a blue color that gets involved for sort of certain um, call outs and in and parts of the UI that um, need that that sort of highlighting. Um, I toy with the idea of making it almost skinnable and letting people pick their own kind of highlight colours on top of the black, white, and grey. Oh, right, okay. Um, That's something I've been thinking about as well with um, not quite to the same extent maybe, but um, giving people the choice of a light and a dark mode um, with with armchair. I'm not sure whether I would, whether that could be perhaps a tool to maybe help people consider unlocking the app whether that would be a feature like a perk um or whether it's something i should just give away i'm not sure on the business side of it anyway yet but it's definitely something yeah. i'd like to have a look at just as a technical exercise that could be fun um I, again let's say if i'm thinking if i'm going to do this within go vj at all then um yeah, I, I need to kind of figure out what the appetite would really be and how meaningful it would be. Um, but from a technical point of view, I, I've got ideas about how I would like to sort of set it up. Um, I guess I've just got to weigh off whether that's me, the developer, wanting a chance to just sit there and develop. <laughs> <laughs> Scratching um, an itch. Yeah, yeah, it could well be, really. Yeah, well, we've all been there. <laughs> All right, so that just about wraps up this episode. Before we go, Dave, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on DaveWood.uk and you can find my applications at RoboHeads. That's RoboHeads with a Z dot com. How about you, Dave? Uh, you can find my two apps. Um, the first one, Armchair Remote. That's my remote control for Cody. That's at armchair-remote.com. Um, my second latest app space readers it's a it's an app to help kids learn to read can be found at spacereaders.com join us as we discuss the development code and technology of our independent journeys (laughs) (laughs) yeah because i know i'm going to clip that (laughs) Yeah, sure you are. <laughs> Diddle <Diddly-doo. laughs>